Hi there, my name is Alex Faust and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending on what part of the world you are joining us from. My name is Alex Faust, and welcome back to Conversations at the Edge. I'm very, very excited to have a special guest today, Jeff Smart, and we're going to be talking all about hiring. He is also the New York Times bestselling author of Who, Leadocracy, and Power Score. Uh, and he just told me that actually Who is at the top of Amazon bestsellers and all of HR books right now because of how much how many issues we're having with talent today. And that's really why we're here. Um, and the, the research and the things that, that we're going to talk about today is not just based on research, but also what Jeff has practiced over the last 27 years and how he's been able to scale up his organization. So Jeff, welcome to Conversations at the Edge. Uh, where are you calling in from today? Colorado today, Alex. Thanks for having me. Now, I want to start off because the world of recruiting and hiring has clearly changed over the last couple of years. And I'm curious if the WHO method uh, that you wrote the book on, I don't know how many years ago, but has that changed at all in the last two or three years as it feels like the, the world has certainly shifted? My, my colleagues at Data Smart and I published the WHO book 14 years ago. Um, so here's what's different and what's the same. I think what's different is much more focused these days, rightly, on diversity, equity, and inclusion on in every step of the hiring process. So uh, we didn't have as many state-of-the-art best practices for DE&I 14 years ago. So that's something that today we consult on a lot. We, we advise our CEO clients a lot and, and the heads of HR and our client companies. Um, the other one is just sort of the rise of digital. So um, maybe LinkedIn existed 14 years ago. I, I'm not sure. But today, um, at, both as an employer or as a job seeker, I think using digital marketing um, and and sort of selection processes uh, can be a nice tool. So, you know, interviewing people remotely on video, sourcing candidates using your, your online network and social media, et cetera. And also, actually, the third thing I'll say is I think um, the culture of companies, which is so, so, so important for being able to attract and retain great people is having a great culture. It's so much more transparent now, right? With Glassdoor, and different industry rating agencies where your employees can go tell the world and honestly what they think of your culture. And um, and that's a huge factor, I think, in determining job seekers' comfort level in joining a, a company or not. So that's a, a third factor that's, I think, new and interesting. But the principles of good hiring in the Who book you know, still, still apply. And the CEOs and entrepreneurs and not-for-profit leaders and managers of all, you know, all types around the world still largely don't practice the, the steps for good hiring. So I guess the headline here is, although a lot's changed, uh, the core elements of what makes for a good hiring process have not changed. And so what what is it about who that has made it such a consistent and effective way to get a player talent? Basically, like there are lots of different ways to do hiring. And what makes the who approach work is it's the 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 methods are consistent with literally a hundred years of research in this nifty little field that I come out of, of industrial psychology. So there's a hundred years of research, Alex, that say things like, don't hire with your gut. Just don't. Your gut is full of bias. <laughs> your, your gut is like, you know, make snap 
decisions that aren't grounded in data or reality. So I, there are weirdly, you know, other books out there on hiring, which will say like, yeah, you know, listen to your gut feel and stuff. But, well, we know from, from a century's worth of research that this leads to poor hiring outcomes. Another bad thing that's widely practiced that flies in the face of research on good hiring is asking candidates hypothetical questions during, during interviews. Like a lot of people, you know, ask someone, Hi, you know, hey, Alex, if you're interviewing for a job at GH Smart, let's say, you know, like teamwork is pretty important. You know, we're looking for people who demonstrate good teamwork. If I ask you a hypothetical question like, Alex, um, teamwork is important at GH Smart. How would you resolve a, a conflict or a dispute with a colleague? So what, what might you say? I might say that I would ask questions. I would be curious. <laughs> You know, but a guy, that's Alex, but a guy. So when you ask hypothetical questions, you get hypothetical answers and they're not very valuable or in, in kind of scientific speak, predictive of the behaviors you can expect on the job. So the, what makes who great is we don't use the methods that have been proven to not work, right? The pitfalls. And what we do use are these like four steps that sound like common sense, but but they're sort of uncommon practice. And the four steps are simply, one, create a scorecard for the role, which is like an objective set of criteria for like, what matters? You know, what, what is it that we want this person uh, to do? And what, what are the criteria we're going to use to evaluate candidates, apples, 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 apples? Uh, number two is you source candidates. How do you source them, you know, digitally and non-digitally? Like, how do you get a good, diverse, talented pool of people to choose from? Number three is the select step. So this is back to the interviewing. Uh, the research suggests that if you really gather lots of data about how someone has performed across situations, across different periods of their lives, you can predict their future behavior with relative accuracy. But if you don't have that data, you know, how are you supposed to have a snowball chance of guessing what someone's likely to do on the job? And the fourth and final step of good hiring is we call it the sell step, which is to reflect on the things that make people want to say yes to a job offer and make sure that you're being very deliberate in closing the candidates that you've spent all this time, you know, sourcing and interviewing and everything. Now you have a great candidate you want to hire. Um, we offer five sort of checklist items for how you can increase the chance of closing that person, having them join your company. So you talked a little bit about the four steps of the WHO methodology when it comes to the selection piece, what types of interviews are you running? How many interviews are you doing? And what we covered a, a couple of weeks ago in a conversation was the importance of speed in the interviewing process. And how does that kind of play into these multiple interviews and the formats to make sure that we're moving quickly and can get the candidates while they're hot? Hiring is, a, is an accuracy and speed game. Um, right. So you want to arrive at a good decision, whether or not to hire someone and actually hire them with as little cost as possible in the way of time or money um, delays. You know, you can like, you know, lose a good candidate if your process uh, takes takes too long. So the, the two parts of your question that I heard were one is like, you know, what are the different interviews that are useful for getting to know somebody? Um, so I'll hit that. And then and then two is like, how, you know, how do you make sure the process goes quickly so that you're not annoying candidates and, and they're sitting there taking other job offers. So on the first one, um, the screening interview is the first interview that we found really helpful 
if, uh, if, you know, if you as the hiring manager have sourced someone or if you're working with an outside search firm, you know, the interview they would use, or if you have, you know, sort of an office manager type or someone kind of support staffy and in-house who's doing first interviews, the screening interview is great. So what you don't want to do is just like yuck it up with the candidate to see if you like them or not. That's horrible. People, novice interviewers who have a horrible batting average of success will tell me that, you know, oh, in the first interview, really what they're trying to do is either these are two very common mistakes. I just want to see if I like the person. Oh, you do, do you? That's great. That's like riddled with bias and, and like, you know, pretty much groundless as, as it. And, and by the way, you can like a lot of people. I like a lot of people, but I wouldn't want to hire them all. So whether you like someone or not is not the gating criterion for a first interview. Um, the other bad way to do a first interview is this. Oh, hey, Alex, I understand you're interested in GH Smart. Let me just talk at you for the next 45 minutes about how great GH Smart is. And then I don't learn anything about Alex. So that's bad too. So you don't want to like hit your business. What you want to do, and I think the goal of the screening interview is to genuinely try to understand someone, what their career goals are by asking them like, hey, what are your career dreams and goals? Like, what, what do you want? Uh, two is to really double click on what they feel like their strengths are. And at this early stage in the hiring process, you're not, you know, you're not scaring them with reference checks. You're not validating what they're telling you. You're just going to take them at face value at first. Hey, what are your biggest strengths? What are some examples? And you're kind of listening for how relevant are these strengths to the job or the company we have? You know, what's the magnitude of them? If they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't know. I like, I like world peace. And you go, oh, that's great. You like world peace. And they say, yeah. And I actually, I don't know if you noticed, I won the Nobel Prize. Peace Prize last year, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. You're like, so the, that's a big magnitude accomplishment. You know, if someone's telling you stuff that's like kind of small magnitude of accomplishment, then, you know, maybe that strength isn't, isn't so big. All, third question is, you know, what do you not get at or what do you not like? What do you not like to do? What do you, you know, at, in, at work? And just try to find out some of their weaker areas or things they just don't like. Oh, I don't like project management. Oh, I hate numbers. You know, okay. I don't know. Like what, what are the things you don't like at work? And then finally, this one's a really important screening interview question. Um, again, with a smile on your face and without making it feel like it's any kind of an inquisition, just say, hey, look, at some point later in this process, if you're still interested and if we're still interested, we'd love a chance to talk to some of your references. So, but like for now, uh, I'd love to just know how your last few bosses rated your performance and why. And Alex, I added, I added this question as a founder, as an actual business person, probably about 10 years ago. When I was missing, we were missing in screening interviews, people who kind of talked a big game, but then like actually didn't perform that well on the job. And it's pretty hard for someone who knows you're going to talk to the references later to look you in the eye or look on your video and go, yeah, oh, I was a 10 in that last you know job. Here's why. It, it, they don't do that. What they start saying is that the B and C players, the folks that are going to be underperformers for you, will say, they'll start to try to discredit their bosses. Watch, they'll say things like, you know, oh, um, God, that last job I had, that was just for about six months. But, you know, my boss was, um, you know, no good. You know, she was, she was fired soon after I was fired. And then, oh, the previous one, you know, oh, that boss, you know, that boss was crazy. Oh, the previous one, oh, that boss, he didn't really come into the office much. I don't, they, they wouldn't really know my performance. Like, you, you hear how just like, B playerish that sounds. The difference is the A players will say, you know, oh, hey, um, wow, gosh, you know, that, like I hired a guy, uh, out of Bain, New York. Yeah. He was like, oh, I, you know, I think they'd rate my performance pretty high. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if I'd give myself a 10. That sounds pompous, but you know, let's say a 9.9. You know, I did win, 
one of two, I was one of two people to win an award given out to one of, uh, out of 600 people in the New York office. I was kind of like, oh, you won like top two out of 600. Okay. That's pretty impressive. You know, so they give you like facts, right? That support the idea that they performed well. And then ask them why. Say, why, why do you think you got that award? Oh, okay. You know, I was known for being a great mentor to my colleagues. I was actually considered mature beyond my years with my client relationships. Like they give you the real reasons for why they scored so well. So that's a screening interview. I mean, imagine all the good data you're going to get. That's a 30 minute interview. And that's the best way in, in our humble opinion to spend the first 30 minutes getting to know someone is career goals, strengths, weaker areas, and boss performance. Awesome. So I'm curious, have you ever seen like, is there ever any flexibility in using those four or is like, I do these four every time. It doesn't matter what the level of hire is or what the, you know, the candidate's history with the, with the organization is. I do these four interviews every time. I think the flexibility is, is like this. So if you're hiring a key lieutenant, all four steps, all the pieces, you know, you're going to be happy you did it, right? You're going to, oh, the whole punchline here is like, if you use not this approach to good hiring, you can expect a 50% hiring success rate, which is as defined by a year after they're there, are you happy you hired them or not, right? Um, so that's a horrible success rate. Um, but if you follow those four steps, uh, you should expect to achieve a 90% hiring success rate. So although it's like, oh, you know, it's that one interview sounds a little long or yeah, okay, great. But like, which would you rather do have a 90% hiring success rate or 50% success rate? So that said, if you're hiring a super junior person, maybe who doesn't have a whole lot of career to talk about, maybe it's like a, you know, call center worker or someone who's like, you don't need to have a bunch of peers interviewing them, right? So I'd say screening interview good, you know, knowing, knowing in a short period of time what their career goals are and their strengths and weaknesses, fine. But who interview rather than be like a two hour, three hour, four hour thing could be like a 30 minute thing if they just have same questions like, okay, where'd you work? What'd you do? Highs and lows? Who'd you work with? Why'd you leave? Right. That's, that's, I mean, I wouldn't want to miss out on that data. I would skip focused interviews. You don't have to do focused interviews if it's super junior because they're not going to be working with anybody. Uh, and then you, and then, you know, maybe even skip reference interviews. It's not horrible to do one or two reference interviews for whoever the manager of that junior person is. Like it's helpful to know. What it's like working with a person and to hear someone who's worked with them tell you. Um, but you don't have to do, you know, five to seven. I think one or two do the trick for a super junior role. Awesome. Um, so what are some of the best ways to find and source candidates, job boards, recruiters, et cetera? That's the number one question I get asked at speaking events, especially from entrepreneurs. How do you find the talent? And so for the Who book, um, we specifically, my co-author, Randy Street and I, in addition to looking at 15,000 successful and unsuccessful hires. Like it's a huge database we went through. We, we, we did a fresh research asking a hundred super successful entrepreneurs, 20 of whom were zero to one founders of billion dollar businesses. They had nothing that was billion dollar business. We asked them this exact question. Where, where did you find your best talent throughout your career? And what the one answer that surprised me was this employee referrals. So, if I give a talk and you're, you know, entrepreneurial scale-up folks are in the audience and there are a thousand of them, and I ask, um, what percent of you, you know, pay referral bonuses and bounties to your own colleagues for sourcing more people? Only about 10 or 20% of the room will raise their hand. So consider that because uh, almost all of the billionaire entrepreneurs we interviewed said their best source of talent was their employees. But you, you can't be quiet about it. You got to like bug your employees about it. You got to put it in their performance 
expectations, you got to pay them for it. And so that's one big takeaway. And the other one is just sort of general branding, I think is helpful across the social media channels. General branding is okay. Brag about your culture. When someone leaves an established, highly reputable competitor of yours to join your company, put a spotlight on them, blast it out to your LinkedIn. Hey, look, so-and-so came over and here's some quotes from them on why they joined our company. So I think I think digital is good for general employment branding. It's not that good. It just isn't that good. If you're like, hey, I'm trying to hire a CFO. Anybody know anybody? And I'm going to blast it out to my 15,000 followers. That generally gives you a whole lot of like not so great um, referrals. So yeah, the employee referral one is the one that I want your listeners to walk away with for, from this podcast. So how do you assess candidate values in the interview process? Yeah, uh, great. I appreciate the question. And we all know by now that half of the reason that hires don't work out is because like a mismatch of, of values between the person and the employer. How do you assess their values? Well, picture this. What if I found out Alex's early influences in his life and accomplishments and failures in school and why he went to every one of his jobs? And what he liked and didn't like about those jobs and those and, and those bosses. I mean, that's like 20, 30, 50 data points on Alex's likes and dislikes and why he moved jobs and all that kind of jazz. I kind of got you by then. I understand what's important to you, right? Um, and so I think, you know, again, the Who interview gives you that data. You can ask references about people's values, uh, but I think just seeing the patterns across their career progressions is the best indicator. Any final thoughts or you know pieces of information you want the community to know before we sign off? Final thoughts are just remember when you're out there fighting fires and focused on solving problems that the root of all great things is who who you have on your team. A company is only as good as who's in it. So spend the time, allocate at least a third of your time to hiring and developing talented, diverse, good-hearted teams that match your values, and you'll find you can really amplify your positive impact as an entrepreneur and, and, and experience a whole lot more success in scaling up your business. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates. Or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again and see you next time.